The European Union needs Google's money to help them bail out Greece on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joined by the incomparable Dylan Lewis, joining you from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. How you doing today, Dylan? Doing all right. Nice little Friday here in Alexandria. TGIF. Yeah. So, uh, and it's 70, 70 degrees. Good times. What are we doing here in the studio? Uh, I don't know, because there's no <laughs> windows. Uh, we should totally walk to Five Guys for lunch, though. Oh, good Five Guys. Good times. Yeah. Uh, so, first up, we were talking about uh, the European Union is lobbying some antitrust concerns at Google. Yeah. Uh, so, basically... They released this statement of objections after it's been a like five year inquiry uh, yeah. into Google, um, and they're finding that or their statement was Google gives systematic favorable treatment to its comparison shopping products uh, and its general search result pages uh, by showing Google shopping more prominently on the screen. I don't do a ton of shopping on Google. Why is this their concern? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You'd think like, oh, maybe they're ninety two percent search market share in yeah. Google would be something that, you know, a little bit more concerning. So, their actual bread and butter they do legally, apparently. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's more of like the add-on um, search value that they provide to searchers. But the counter-argument there is like, well, this is, they're adding value. Like, they're, right. they're providing tack-on things that people are searching for anyways, um, and they're helping people reach those pages faster. How does this compare to how Google operates in the United States or just the market share and everything? Um, I, I think they're slightly stronger market share in Europe than they do here in the U.S., but it's this is not just comparable. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's more the EU just going after them. Uh, so I, have, I, I, I jokingly said it in the intro, but I'm just like, I don't know if they're hurting for money or why they're doing this. But anyway, uh, how much money do they want? They're going after $6.4 billion. Uh, and just for some context, that's roughly a tenth of Google's annual revenue from 2014. That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially when you consider this is uh, going to be a multi-year thing. Right. So, um, just a historical example, uh, the EU or EC went after Microsoft um, starting in 2014. And I think that wasn't settled until 2012, 2013. This is going to be a while, obviously, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, it's going to be a long process. Um, I don't know. If you want to look at the revenue-driving aspect of the region for Google, um, so they don't do the breakouts by region the way that we'd like for our purposes on the show right now. Uh, They do U.S. and international. And so uh, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but what we can do is use Facebook as a proxy uh, for Google, and so uh, they have a similar amount, 45 to 47% of their revenue coming from the U.S. For mix, okay. Yeah, and uh, with Facebook, they get about 25 to 27% of revenue coming from Europe. Uh, so if we apply that to Google, I mean, ads coming in kind of the same way. Uh, you know, right. it, it's a similarly lucrative uh, population. I'm really surprised that Europe's going after the shopping aspect of Google, because when they went after Microsoft, and we'll talk about them in a second, you know, Google or uh, Microsoft's fun relationship with the European Union. It was all operating systems in Europe that were Microsoft run. They were doing this stuff with the Internet Explorer and everything. And I just, it seems so small. I don't know why they're nitpicking here. Yeah. And when you look at the revenue uh, size, I mean, Google pulls in about 17 billion from Europe based on, you know, like the, the comparison I'd drawn up with Facebook before. So it's not an insignificant amount of money. Um, but it's it's kind of odd to see them going after him. And this is one of the notes that I'd read was that uh, the shopping could just be the beginning. You know, like we could be looking at um, Google Flights, Google Travel. Like, I just have one question. 
do all the European government employees use Google? And if so, <laughs> this is slightly hypocritical, but okay. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, even here at The Fool, like we use Google for I, everything. <laughs> when I first heard about this, I, of course, saw the headline, and I didn't, you know, like anybody else, I didn't know that it was about the shopping. But I was like, wait, wait, wait you're mad at them for making a better algorithm? Like, what's the issue here? <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of hard to punish someone for doing their job well. Doing, yeah, <laughs> doing, doing it better than everybody else. That's what you want them to do. Yeah. Um, so how does this compare to what happened with Microsoft and the money there? Because you mentioned it was dragged out, and that was fun, but... Yeah, so Microsoft just ignored them basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what had happened was, I think 2004, uh, ECEU started going after them, and uh, they said that Microsoft needed to disclose complete and accurate interface documentation, which would allow non-Microsoft workgroup servers to achieve full interoperability with Windows PC and servers. So it's a compatibility issue. It's allowing people onto your servers um, and having full functionality. And so the interesting thing about this was, you know, like the the headline number that most people attach to is like one and a half to two billion dollar fine. The reality is the original fine uh, that was stated was six hundred million, oh, and wow. the uh, the total ballooned to two to three times that because of non-compliance. By so Microsoft. Microsoft paid three times more than they had to because they were just lazy or didn't care, or oh, because they fought it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. or felt that they were providing um, enough information um, for non-Microsoft uh, workgroup servers that um, you know the EC thought they weren't. So uh, I don't know if there's a perfect parallel there. You know? No, I mean it sounds very different because Google is search engine, Microsoft is a software company, and everything. Um, so bring it back around to Google. How does this compare with their ever popular Android operating system? Well, it's kind of interesting because uh, Android might be on the table, too. <laughs> that could actually be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, Oh, because people are shopping on their phones or what? Well, I mean, so you look at uh, Google has about 92% uh, search engine market share in Europe. Um, they have about 70% uh, mobile operating system. How do you say share. Google in French, I wonder? Le Google. Le Google. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think if you add an accent to pretty much anything... Um, with Android, it's kind of nuanced because there's the Android open source project, um, which allows developers to use the open source platform that they've set up. Um, and it's free and allows for modification. And Amazon's done that with their Fire Phones. And so, all 50,000 of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in that situation, uh, the Google Suite. Isn't attached necessarily. Like you can build out your own ecosystem, you right. know, which is which is what Amazon did. Uh, and then there's Google Android, which um, is totally different, and it has all of the added Google services and apps. And so most of Google's hardware partners, Samsung, Motorola, HTC, uh, go with this version of Android and all the things that come with it. And so uh, when they enter an agreement, they're getting this suite of products and that's where the issue with android comes in and oh, you know geez. some of the some of the issues that ec is pointing to so it's theoretically could be a lot more money in a bigger because that's a there's a lot of android phones in europe i have to assume yeah that's fun okay yeah so I mean, it's something interesting to watch um this isn't going to be you know something that's resolved anytime soon. no uh, we'll we'll be in the 2020s before google writes a big check yeah and you look at uh, Recode got a hold of the internal memo that Google sent out to employees. Was there anything salacious in it? Uh, nothing overly salacious, but they made it clear, uh, you know, that we're going to fight this. And, uh, you know, they did a breakout. And uh, if you go to Recode, you can see it. Uh, they looked at shopping sites in, you know, the major countries in Europe and just showed unique visitors. 
And Google Shopping trailed quite a bit. Uh, you know, Amazon, eBay, most oh of these. God. So, yeah. I mean, the, they're admittedly uh, scatterbrained graphs that they showed. Like, they're like, right. you know, 20 different data points on them and that they're yeah. tracking. So, it's kind of hard to make sense of them. Well, and this goes back around to what um, I think pretty darn sure that one of the Sergey Brin or somebody who said that Amazon was what Google considered their competitor for search because when you search for yeah. a product and when I go to search for a product, I go to Amazon to see how much it costs. Yeah. And Google wants that. So it's not like they have this shopping monopoly or anything. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think big thing to remember is it's not going to be resolved anytime soon. Um, this was simply the beginning of the statement of objections process. And so uh, Google has the right to respond to all of the allegations, state their case. Uh, if history is any example, it's going to drag out over several years. I look forward to doing the show where we review the conclusion in the year 2025. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just another thing that I saw on the internet, um, you know, EC looked into iTunes and opened an inquiry. And, this is back, you know, do you know the year? Uh, a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they wound up closing the inquiry without... It's any fanfare. Nobody yeah. has any guns in anybody's head there either. So yeah. So fun. so un- until you see the final sticker, right? Uh, you know, amount on this, there. This is just the beginning. It's not even. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so moving on, uh, boy, U.S. tech companies—they're having a rough time globally right now. Yeah, it's a rough go of it if you're a like monolith tech company. Poor poor Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and his thirty billion dollars. Um. So uh, obviously Facebook listeners may or may not know, they're part of the Internet.org initiative, which is basically trying to bring basic Internet services to the billions of people that essentially live in poverty globally. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get into the details of that in a minute. But um, they're having a hard time in India, as I understand it. Yeah, it's funny how everything boils down to net neutrality just, these just, days. <laughs> just a billion people there. It's not like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to take yeah, tackle this one? Yeah. So uh, long and short, uh, billions of people... Do not have internet services globally, and Facebook teaming up with like seven basically cell phone companies to uh, bring basic services to everybody because it doesn't make sense to put in a cable internet line and modem in rural India. Right. So long and short of it, multiple partners in India have actually pulled out, and it basically relates to India's own net neutrality debate that's going on in their country, just like it's happening here as well. <laughs> Um, and I didn't know this, but you start to dig into that or whatever. Internet.org brings it brings free internet to hundreds. Of, I think uh, Zuckerberg sent out a response. I'll get into this in a minute, but um, he notes that they have brought the internet to 800 million people in nine countries with free basic internet services. So it's free. Pretty incredible. You live on a couple of dollars a day, and you're getting this internet for the first time. It's a big deal. Um, As I understand it, that internet comes with a package though it does um so (laughs) i actually found the list of the 38 sites that internet.org gives you for free if you happen to be a citizen of india uh it has wikipedia ibn live uh of course facebook controlled messenger messengers on there Mm -hmm. now we know why they split it off from facebook um reuters market light so it's a very basic financial news services um times of india their newspaper uh baba job it's a job search site so it's it's not the full internet, and this is why there's this huge debate about it with the uh, 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 net neutrality, because net neutrality says that the internet should be free to everybody, the entire internet. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of see both arguments. I really can. Yeah, it, it's tough, because on the one hand, you're. I think we talked about this before, it's like, 
you can't complain that the library doesn't have every book it's that you want free. that you want to read because it's free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, if the internet's supposed to be free and open, then only having these thirty-eight providers right. of content. Because the argument there is, of course, how how did you choose these providers? Right. Why not? Yeah, how is that curated? Somebody else. Um, I think Wikipedia is probably a good start because it's basically just a giant encyclopedia of mankind. But um, So Mark Zuckerberg, of course, issued a response, and he noted that they created Internet.org in an effort to connect the whole world by partnering with mobile operators and governments, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and he actually he noted that um, he traveled to India. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, and he, you know, went to this village, and he actually witnessed in this village a small school where the kids were getting the internet for the first time. So you remember when you were a kid and you had your crappy Macintosh it's in, in <laughs> elementary school, and you played Oregon Trail. That's uh-huh. what these kids were experiencing. You always wind up dying of dysentery. You do, yeah. It's game <laughs> over. And of course, the best part is the shooting gallery. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, he's witnessing these kids in India getting the internet for the first time and he you know was like oh any one of these kids could have a great idea and change the world like bill gates or me or somebody <laughs> <laughs> and um and that's that's there too um and that was his response and everything and he also noted and this is kind of in his favor um a lot of the people in sub-saharan africa india these people that you know just basically working for dollars a day and essentially live in poverty and the goal is of course to raise them out of it but they don't fully appreciate the power of the internet yet Mm -hmm. and bringing them at least these basic services where they can quickly read the news of the day kind of sells them on that and why they should as a society get cable modems in these rural areas yeah on the one hand i totally see the value in the package that they're providing you know you have access to pretty much any piece of information via Wikipedia. Right. Uh, you have Messenger, so you can talk to other people. You have uh, Indian Times, so like you're up to date on what's going on. Uh, the job platform. So like there are plenty of things that make sense. I think what people are seeing the danger of here is if you allow an organization to set up an infrastructure in a right. place with you know this limited scope of the internet, uh, that becomes the legacy system. And if they view be, it as a step back. Yeah, and so if there's, it's also a dangerous precedent, right? Because if you wind up in this situation and then 15 years from now, uh, nothing's changed, ends badly. Yeah, you know how much how much incentive does Zuckerberg have to continue to innovate and allow for more products to be part of that Internet.org suite once his, you know, his platform, of, uh, Facebook Messenger, and you know WhatsApp or something like that is in there. Right. So the other the other thing, of course, is that uh, it appears Noble and you know he is giving this stuff for free uh, on one hand, but the other thing is this is this is market creation here. Oh, of course, yeah. This is two billion people that don't have Facebook. This is an atrocity. <laughs> How do they know what their friends are doing? Yeah, and granted, that is the lowest revenue driving region for them. You know, right. I mean, when you look at Facebook financials, it's. Uh, U.S., Europe, Europe, Asia, a little bit of South America sprinkled in I think, there. I think it's just rest of world. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how they categorize it. And so, you know, Internet.org. Um, I like to think that Zuckerberg's being benevolent because I don't think there's a ton of money there. I, yeah, you're talking about giving free internet to people over cell phone towers in rural India, and it's like you can't sell these people ads either because you know. Yeah, what are they going to buy? Right. <laughs> I mean, not being mean or anything, but it is what it is. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, well. Okay. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Dylan. Yeah. Pleasure, Sean. TGIF. I'll I'll see you for lunch. 
And uh, before we go, I want to make our listeners aware of a special offer. If you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may just be the thing for you. It's our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners. That's $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two great stock recommendations every single month with insights from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of the deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!